Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Welcome to church today. If you guys don't know me, my name is Leanne Connor. I'm clearly the better half of Braden and Leanne Connor. You can tell. No, I'm kidding. Um, Braden's asked me to preach today, so I'm excited to get to bring a word to you guys. A little nervous, so I know you're full of grace. You're going to give me grace, you're going to give me amens, you're going to give me claps, and uh, I'm going to be just fine. No, I believe God's given me something to say, something to share this morning. This is not my norm. Usually I'm, I'm up here part of the worship team, um, but today is going to be a little different. So, you know, I thought I would take a minute to kind of just get back at my husband, um, just like I did last year when I preached at this time. Um, you know, he likes to take shots at me when he's up here preaching, and he likes to tell lies about me, things that are completely untrue and false. And uh, it's just so funny to everyone. So I put together a little video of my own to share with you all today for your viewing pleasure with the help of a social media platform called Snapchat, which my husband actually hates. And uh, so I kind of get him with Snapchat all the time at any moment that I can. And so I just want to share this with you today in honor of our 15th anniversary, which is in two weeks, by the way. And uh, yeah, so here, here is, in all his glory, our Snapchat video. Enjoy. torturing him with it. It's fun. But um, yeah, I'm super glad to be with you guys today. Um, My kids actually gave me a little bit of advice yesterday in the car that I thought I would kind of let you in on too. Um, My oldest, Susanna, is in seventh grade. Love her. And um, she told me, she said, Mom, don't be nervous. Like, just remember, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And just talk to them like you're talking to me and Riley and because they, they, they could tell I was a little nervous getting ready this week and preparing. And she's like, just talk to the people at church like you talk to me and Riley, like you talk to dad. It's going to be awesome. They're going to love you. And then Riley pipes up, which I love her a little less at this moment. Riley pipes up and says, or it's going to be terrible and they're going to hate it, but whatever. <clears throat> so there's that. I have awesome kids. But um, no, I'm really, I'm really glad to be here. And um, yeah, I think that video had absolutely nothing to do with, with my message, clearly, but um, just to kind of help break the ice. But can we pray this morning before we get started? Lord, we just thank you today for these moments that we get to come into your presence. And Lord, thank you for the times we've already had this morning. Thank you for worship and that we just get to be in this free country and worship you in freedom 
in spirit and in truth. And God, I know that you're here. You're here because we've come before you with thanksgiving. We've come together in your name to worship you. And so I thank you that you're here today, Lord. I thank you. Help us to open our eyes. Help us to open our hearts to you, to what you would have for us. And, Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you that heaven is going to come to earth today. It already has. Thank you for invading our lives, invading our atmospheres with your presence. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So the message that I have for you today is actually titled, What's the Big Deal? What's the Big Deal? Um, you know, I believe that everybody wants to be somewhat of a big deal, whether we like to admit it or not. I think some of us like to act like we're cool and collected, just doing our, our daily thing. But I think a lot of us really want to be something big. We want to be something big for God. We want to be significant. We want to have purpose. We want our lives to have meaning, um, whether we will admit it or not. You know, when I was little, I was thinking back. My brother was three and a half years younger than me, and we used to play school. And I would be the teacher every single time and make him be the student every single time. And then we would play church because my dad was a pastor. And I would stand up on a box and preach or sing. And I would make him hold his Bible and, like, take notes with a highlighter. And um, then we'd play work and I'd be the boss and I'd make him be my employee. And we had a little brown clipboard and I'd make him take notes about things that I wanted him to do for me. And so, like, even as a little kid, I feel like I definitely was always looking for significance. I was always looking for what's, what's the big deal about my life? What's the big deal going to be in my life? How is my life going to have meaning? How is my life going to have significance? And I don't know if any of you have been a Christian for any amount of time. You've probably had someone ask you, like, what has God called you to do, brother or sister? What has God called you to do? What, what are you doing for God with your life? And it's almost like we all should be hearing a voice that comes to us in the middle of the night with a calling or we see a burning bush or an angel drops a scroll down to us that has this calling on it for our life. But that is very often never how it is. Um, now, we do see spiritual gifts in the Bible that are, that are lined out. And we also see uh, fivefold office gifts, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But most of us on this planet are walking through this life longing for significance, longing for meaning, longing for purpose. And sometimes I believe we find ourselves asking when will my life really matter? At what point will I finally do something big with my life? What has God called me to do with my life? Let me give you a little background um, on me. And I have been known to be a little too transparent, which is, is kind of weird for me because I'm not normally, you wouldn't think that I would be like that. But I literally feel like I have nothing other to give than my life experiences. So I just want to share with you, when, you know, when I was a little kid, my biggest dream was to be a singer. And not any singer, but like a country music superstar, right? Like I had Rocky Mountains in every color. Does anybody remember Rocky Mountain jeans? Thank you. A little high, a little high on the waist. I had every color. I had like Garth Brooks shirts with like the fringe and the fire on them and the flames. No, nobody? Okay. Um, thank you. I wanted to be a country music superstar, but I wanted it to be my ministry. I believe that God had called me to be a star and then I was going to reach people for him through my platform. I believe that he had called me to have a voice and a big calling, a big assignment, and it was to be to the masses, not just to a few, but to the masses. And so from a young age, I pursued this platform. I pursued this dream. I learned guitar. I sang everywhere I could, um, even like funerals. I mean, like anything I could get, I was down for. I started writing songs. I practiced my autograph. Has anybody in here practiced your autograph? Uh-huh. 
God had to have me be famous to reach people for him. So I pursued God too, but mostly my focus was on this dream. But as my life unfolded, this dream and this this great platform, this great calling and assignment just never quite took shape. I even, as I got older in my early 20s, I even had an agent. I wrote song, I started songwriting. I moved close to Nashville. I read literally this book does exist, How to Get a Record Deal for Dummies. I sang in showcases. I met with songwriters and still nothing, nothing. That, that, that this big dream that I just knew God had called me to, it just would not pan out. And then in 2003, some of you know my story, especially if you've come to membership class. Um, my whole family died in a plane crash in 20, 2003, right after Brayden and I got married, three weeks after we got married. Um, I lost my family. So, I, you know, I found myself in my mid-20s still grieving this tragedy that had happened in my life and disappointed and unsure of what I was even supposed to do with my life. Like, I even remember thinking at one point, I'll never be happy again. I'll never be okay again. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I was. This was not the dream that I had. This was not the plan. Um, There was no significance at that time in my life. There was no meaning. Where was this great calling that God had called me to? And so, you know, I believe we all want our lives to have significance. And we look at those who we view are doing all the big things for God. And we see them on social media with their picture-perfect families and the moms with their picture-perfect meals, which is lies. I just believe it's lies. And their picture-perfect kids and all their matching outfits, smiling in a field with a sunset just right. And we compare our small life to what we think is, you know, everybody else is just doing something so big for God. And, and, I, and I remember in 2006, Brayden and I, were hired to work for Believer's Way Church in Amarillo, Texas, and I was hired to be the worship pastor, and uh, he was hired to be the youth pastor, and at that point in my life, I had come a little a little ways after the, the, the plane crash, the tragedy that hit my family, and I had thought, okay, I'm past this now. I've finally put this big deal dream on the shelf, which I used to literally think of putting it on a sh- in a jar up on a shelf. I put it on the shelf. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to go after this, you know, worship career that God clearly wants me to have. He's opened this door. But honestly, if I'm being if I'm being just truthful, at the back of my mind, in the bottom of my heart, way down underneath everything, worship ministry was just not a big enough deal to me. And it always felt like, okay, God, I'm going to do this until I get that next big thing or until you open a door for me to become a big deal or until you you know, make my name famous, write a hit song so that I can do the big thing you've called me to. And here I was, I was leading worship on Sundays, I was doing women's ministry, I was leading my team, but in the deepest part of my heart, my heart, worship still was just a stepping stone. What God had me in, what God had called me to in my heart was just a stepping stone onto greener pastures. It was not the big deal that I thought God had for me. It just was never enough. It felt small to me as I compared myself to everybody else. I compared myself, like I would compare Brayden and I to other people in ministry our age and think, well, that pastor's wife, she preaches every week too. And I was terrified to preach. I still am a little bit terrified standing here today. I was terrified. I would look at at other worship leaders who were leading worship on Sundays, but then they were writing songs and winning Grammys. and, And I just always felt like, Mine was just so small in comparison. And so I just realized that my identity and security was everywhere else but in Jesus. And I've come to realize that, that our identity and security can only be 
found in Jesus. So after moving to Midland in 2010 and becoming senior pastors, I still struggled with these feelings. And nobody even really knew this. But what I didn't realize was that I was missing what God was doing right in front of me. He had me on a journey, and I didn't even know it. He was molding me, shaping me, and he was preparing me for something I didn't even, I didn't even know that was coming. So in 2012, I don't even know if anyone, some people know this, but I had to, um, I was actually diagnosed with severe acid reflux on my vocal cords, and I had to take a whole year off from singing, which singing was kind of the last great hope I had to be a big deal. And so I found myself at yet another lowest point of my life, and all I had to this time around, all I had to cling to was Jesus. I didn't even have my talent. I didn't have my gift. All I had was Jesus. And so I kind of felt like in, like uh, I was stripped down to the bare bones. Like all I was was just sort of naked standing there and in front of the Lord. And I had nothing to give. I had no gift. I, had, I couldn't even sing. I felt so worthless. And yet it was at that moment and in that year that I felt like God took my hand and began to show me who he really was and begin to show me how he really feels about me. And even though I grew up a Christian all my life, I was always chasing after significance. I was always chasing after a platform or a ministry or a boyfriend in some cases. <laughs> I always wanted a boyfriend when I was younger. But um, that's a side note. Um, anyway, I was always chasing after significance. And I was always chasing after purpose. And so once and for all, I finally found myself chasing after Jesus. And um, he took me on a journey that, I, I, it, it's, that it's been better than my wildest dreams. Um, I began to encounter his love like I never had before. I remember I began worshiping him um, like I never had before. And it was actually from a place of desire, not out of a place of trying to perform, of trying to get somewhere or achieve something or attain something. And so there was no reason for performance or searching for the big deal. And I realized that I had nothing else to hang my hat on but only who I was in him. And I just remember learning that... You know what? I've just, I'm just going to be okay with just being his kid. And if I never sing again, if I never do anything great for God, I'm just going to be okay. Him being my father and me being his daughter, and that's it. And my life changed. I began to realize his love for me and what he really wanted from me. If I never did anything for him, never worked for him, he was, he was still pleased with me. He still loved me. And so as I've, as I've grown and learned to place my identity fully in Jesus, which has been quite a process, and I, I'm not going to lie and act like I've arrived, I still work, work on this, but there have been some perceptions in my mind that have really changed, and I, I want to share those with you guys today. Um, the first one is that we were created not to do things for God, but just to be with God. See, God created us to have a love relationship with him. And he sent Jesus to redeem us, to set us free, to be the ultimate sacrifice for sin so that there would be nothing between us and God. And so all he really wants when you get down to it is he wants our hearts. He wants our love. He wants our affection. And he's jealous for us. He wants our attention. Our significance must come from our identity being firmly planted in him and in who he is. Now, I've heard the quote. You guys have probably heard it, too. We're not human doings but we are human beings. God has created us to just be in his presence and be with him. And the most freeing thing in my life that I've ever discovered, and I just said it a second ago, is just being God's kid. I no longer need to strive to be a big deal 
have my name in lights, have some great calling. I just need to worship the King of Kings and the one I've given my life to. Isn't this the epitome and the very, you know, epitome of faith and trust is just trusting God that, you know what, God, I give my life to you. You gave Jesus as a sacrifice for me. I give my life to you. And if I never do another thing for you, I, I know that that's enough. I'm good enough. You've made me enough because of Jesus. And so I want to read this scripture, Luke 3.21. This is one of my absolute favorite passages. It says, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily form like a dove. And listen to this. A voice came out of heaven and said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Now, you might think, okay, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, God's pleased. But listen to this. Jesus had not done one single miracle at that point. Jesus hadn't done anything. He was just a kid that grew up into a man, and he was sinless, but he had not done anything for God yet. He hadn't even started his ministry. And yet still, God said, this is my beloved son. I'm so pleased in him. And that's how he feels about you as well. As we make this turn in our minds, we begin to see God's perfect plans for us unfold in his timing, in his timing. When we view him correctly for who he is and how he really feels about us, then we can just be free to not chase significance, not chase some big deal dream, but to chase the one who created us. This is the scripture that began to help me see kind of how God truly feels about me. Um, it's Psalms 139, and if you get a second, write it down and go read the whole chapter because it's awesome. But I just want to read a small part. It says, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever even seen the light of day. The number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh, God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when I awake each morning, you are still with me. Now, does that sound like a God who's standing over us, waiting for us to prove our calling or waiting for us to be good enough or great enough or go after a dream? Or It doesn't. It sounds like a God to me that just wants a love relationship with me, that just wants me to fall in love with him. And the second point that I have is to God, the little things are actually the big things. We want to chase after the big things to be a big deal and to have meaning and purpose. But to God, it's always, it's always backwards. The little things are the big things. Luke 16.10, this comes from the parable of the servants that had the talents. He said, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. God is all about the little things. Here are some things that are very big deals to God that we sometimes just skip right over. Uh, first of all, loving each other, faithfulness, humility, honesty, integrity, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, which I forgot about yesterday during my daughter's basketball game. Um, consistency, steadfastness, serving, just serving other people, giving our lives for others. You know, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you're an engineer or a pumper, maybe you are a waitress or a school teacher. No matter what you do, what you do is not who you are. What you do is just what you do. 
Who you are is who God's called you to be on the inside. And who you are is a child of the Most High God. And no matter what you do, if you will just do the little things, God will open up your life to what you realize are the big things. These things may not feel like a calling or a big deal, but if it's where God has you, then it is the most important place for you to be. I was talking to somebody just after first service, and she said, you know, I, I really appreciate what you said because I'm home with a little baby right now, and I literally feel like all I'm doing is I'm sleeping when she's sleeping, and I kind of feel like I'm not doing anything and, and that my life should have more meaning, and that's just it. That is what God's called her to do, right? At this moment and this time is to raise that baby and to be a faithful, consistent, loving mother. And there's no more important job than what she's doing right now. And so take this into your own life and whatever you're doing right now. I love this. I believe God spoke this to me. It says, as I stay faithful and just be obedient day by day, he is leading me into his perfect plan for my life, and I may not even know it. He's leading me. He's guiding me. He's molding me. He's shaping me. God is taking us on a journey, and sometimes we're not even aware because we're so focused on getting to something. But God is always more, he always cares more about our heart and, and who we are on the inside. Okay, and the last one, God is more concerned with my journey than my destination. I love this. Um, God is all about this little word called process. And process in the Webster's Dictionary means a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So everything that I've learned about process is um, it's slow. It's step by step. It's one foot in front of the other. It's methodical. We try to run after a big deal. We try to run after purpose or meaning, and God's calling us back to process. We try to run after significance, and God's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm calling you back to my heart. I'm calling you back to a love relationship with me. We want to speed things up and skip steps and run ahead because we think that's what will get us significance and that's how we'll be important. But in his kingdom, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. It's always backwards with God. Luke 9.23 says this, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? And I love the part, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And I think that's, that's basically what I've learned so far is that in losing my life and in giving up this big deal that I thought I was supposed to be, I've just learned to chase after the heart of God. And in the heart of God, there is more fulfillment, more joy, more calling, more destiny, more purpose than you could ever even imagine. It's chasing after him and not the doing and not the what. If we'll submit to God's process, our souls are grown, our character is formed, and we're being prepared for all that God wants to do in us and through us. You know, my, um, my eight-year-old Riley, the mean one that said <laughs> that I might not do very well today, um, she, she's not mean. She's really sweet, actually. She's just kind of ornery. But um, she told me the other day, I really want a Range Rover, Mom. Like, I want a Range Rover. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay. 
I don't even have a Range Rover kid. But, you know, I, I would be a terrible parent if I put my eight-year-old behind the wheel of a car right now. She's eight years old. She doesn't know how to drive. Um, she's unprepared. And I, honestly, to be honest, that kid, I don't know if she's ever going to get her driver's license. She might not. Um, but honestly, she's starting the process of getting behind the wheel of a car right now. She's starting to learn how to be obedient to her parents. She's starting to learn how to honor authority, obey rules, obey laws. She's starting to the process of learning how to drive right now. I love the scripture in Luke 2, verse 52. It says, Jesus grew, you can read the rest later, but Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So when I read a scripture that talks about Jesus growing, I realize that I'm not the only one who has to go through process. Even Jesus Christ himself went through process. Even Jesus went through times where he had to grow. He grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. He was the very son of God, and he didn't begin his ministry till he was 30. He, even Jesus, went through process. It's vital and necessary. So I want to end this by answering a question that I've had for the majority of my life, and I feel like probably most everyone in here has had at some point, if you don't have it right now. And that question is, what has God called me to do? What's God called me to do with my life? How can I be significant? How can I be important? And I want to answer that question with this answer. God has called you to do the little things. God's called you to do the little things. As you make a thousand tiny decisions every day to do the little things, one day you'll realize you're walking right in the middle of God's perfect plan for your life. And you might say, Leanne, the little things are boring. The little things are insignificant. I want to go after the big dream. I want to be a big star like I wanted to be with my fringe in my Rocky Mountains. But you know what? God's called us back to faithfulness. He's calling us to be consistent. He's calling us to be good mothers and good fathers and people that show up for our friends, people that are honest and have integrity, people that love our neighbor and truly lay down our lives for those around us. You know, there's a kind of a pop culture phenomenon going on right now. I don't even, I wasn't even going to say this, but with, with women, and I'm all for women taking a stand. And, you know, I'm, actually what I'm for is women doing what God's calling you to do. That's what I'm for. But I heard a woman the other day saying the speech, and it's gone around Facebook, and it was like, um, you know, we need to start thinking about ourselves. We've gone far too long thinking about everyone else. And, laying our lives down for everyone else and doing what everybody else wants us to do. It's time for us women to live for ourselves and to stand up. And, and I thought, you know, that sounds really cool. And for a second, I even thought, yeah, that's all right, that's good. But then the Holy Spirit arrested me and said, man or woman, I've called you to lay your life down. I've called you to love your neighbor as yourself. I've called you to live a selfless life and give up your life so that you'll actually save your life. What does it profit a man? to gain the whole entire world but lose your soul. I'm not willing to do that. And I trust God greater than any social agenda or anything that we hear in the news. I trust God. And he says, if I'll lose my life for his sake, I'll find it. You know, it may not look like what you thought, but God's big deal is your development. It's your heart. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, I'm going to leave you with a scripture. It says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways 
are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Do you know what? We can trust God today with our lives. We can trust that the process, in the process, as we're grown, as we're molded, as we're shaped, he is going to get you to your destiny. He is going to get you to what you're called to do, but it's going to be in his timing, and you're going to be fully prepared, fully ready, fully there in your soul, ready to take on what he's called you to do. So can we just bow our heads today and close our eyes this morning? God, we just thank you for this time. Lord, I just, we trust you. We want to get back to where it's just a love relationship with you. And Father, I don't want to chase significance anymore. I don't want to chase a dream or, or even a purpose. God, all I want to chase is you. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.